0: Welcome back to part two of 365 Days Later on the Text Help Talks podcast. I'm Patrick McGrath, and I'm joined once again by our CEO, Martin McKay, and our tech Manager from Australia, Greg O'Connor, to continue our chat on the future of education now that we're beginning to come out the other side of COVID-19 school closures and a change from remote learning to perhaps a little bit more of a hybrid model. We're looking at the lessons that we've learned and the opportunities that lie in front of us. We hope you enjoyed part one as much as we did. But if you're listening to us today and you haven't listened to part one yet, then pop on over to check it out and join us back here. Uh, But really today, together on our podcast today, we want to look ahead. We want to explore what the next steps for education are. 365 days later. We've heard about learning loss. We've heard the buzzwords around catch-up. We've seen that exams have been stopped and moved to centre assessments. So there are many changes have taken place. There are negatives within COVID, but there are many, many positives. I think there has been, uh, I'm not sure if you've saw it in Australia as well, a kind of a, a, a shift, I suppose, in educators around what, what I call data culture, where, where data used to be that statutory thing these are summative tests these are attendance data this is sen data this is end of year tracking data now with what we've seen as a consequence of this increased use of technology we've seen all of those wonderful opportunities that martin's talked about uh, but but i think we do need to work on that data culture of data not being a dirty word and actually data being a very very incredibly useful thing to inform teaching and learning and um, to help us get a better picture of how our students are progressing. You see that as well, Greg? Or-
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, that kind of, dis- we're talking about disruption. One of the disruptions that have, happened was around assessment and, you know, oh my goodness, how I don't have this, this, the kids aren't in my room with me. I can't actually see what they're doing. And um, and did you notice, Patty and Martin, all of a sudden we, we, we began talking now about synchronous and asynchronous environment. This became, mm-hmm. oh, that's right, Oh, formative yeah. versus summative. And and what we found in the schools that we were working in was um, teachers realised that, uh, that just because I wasn't sitting next to a student, I can still give immediate feedback, you know. I can give, yeah. in fact, I can give probably more immediate feedback to more students than I was previously when I was kind of physically walking around my room. I can personalize that feedback, so I can actually not only give it media, but I can actually make sure it's personalized. And and also the other piece was I can get my kids to collaborate and actually have peer feedback and peer monitoring and a whole bunch of other ways. And um, and that was like last year uh, here in Oz, we we kind of launched some pilots with Raikou. and that's really the data piece has been the important piece. That um, and having said that too though, Patty is. It's a journey now that teachers are, going to, are thinking, okay, so what is data? You know, what mm. am I going to use this for? Yeah. And I remember, Martin, once I heard you and Dave Eddyburn talking about this and talking about, you know, when you just have a data point, just a data point, it's quite a blunt way to actually measure something if you're just a one-off event. And what you want to do is you want to have data over a period of time and you want to see growth. And, you know, there'll be ups and downs, but over this period of time, I want to see that what I'm the way I'm providing teaching and learning instruction is actually having a positive impact upon my kids. So that's, that's definitely one, Patty. but it's kind of, um, it's, it's a new field. I think we, you know, it's something that we, that we, um, that we're going to be tackling into the, into the future.
2: Yeah. I think that like the, you know, kid, teachers have been looking at assessment scores for years and administrators have been looking at assessment scores for years. So actually looking at data in the context of how kids perform uh, is not, I don't think that's new, but I think it's a little bit blunt. Um, yeah. You know, just take one big test, maybe two or three times a year. And uh, it's its also, uh, it's not passive at all. And I think that we can gain, you know, 100 small pieces of information a day from kids. And build a really rich picture of their learning behavior, you know, their learning behaviors and uh, their learning preferences, and uh, start to kind of uh, measure their success and measure their growth in a, in a much richer way than just kind of two points a year. Like I'm, yeah. so, uh, I'm fifty, right? And if you measure my height, you would say that I had not grown in the last, you know, thirty years. And I absolutely have, you know, but it's just it's uh, it's not being measured, uh, you know, in the right way. And I think some of these assessments aren't really uh, aren't really capturing the growth that kids are are showing.
0: Yeah, and and I think on that, I think the big big takeaway for me from this year is how useful things like the the data sets can be to inform teaching and learning going forward, or to inform instruction because because access to to that that data in real time, literally, to things like automated scoring, to things like live data, can help inform a teacher in a really meaningful and relevant way. But also from a student perspective, it helps them set better goals. It helps them identify their progress. It helps them do better to stress and challenge them. And that's, I, I don't know about you guys, but that's what I've seen certainly yeah. evidence from our educators.
1: Yeah, I had a really good example of that. So I was working in a school, we were doing a, a pilot around uh, RICU, and, you know, the, a part of the Roku is where the program where the students getting their getting their data feedback and they're getting things like uh, they're looking at their word cloud, the, the vocab they're using and stuff, but also the teachers giving feedback and um, some of the feedback is generated things like um, the vocabulary age, you know, so uh, you've just written this passage and what we can see is this your, your writing is at this particular vocabulary age. And it came up in the discussion and in, in the same room two teachers had totally different way they approached it. One teacher said, oh, I can't, I don't want to give that to my student because it, it'll, it's they might see it as a positive. They'll kind of be like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not writing at a high enough level. Whereas the other teacher went, no, no, that's a really good, that's a good point to actually help the t- student actually reflect on where they are and give set them set goals for where they're going. And so it was really this idea, I think, of the the ed tech in this case was Roqube, being a, um, a, a an amplifier of the pedagogy that the teacher was yeah. using, and and kind of putting a mirror on that and making them reflect on what they were doing, and um, that's been a really positive, a positive as well. Patty, the other thing about the data was, uh, and you've mentioned this before, is it depends where you sit in the chair. So data to a school principal is different than data to a Classroom teacher data to a district um, supervisor or whatever, isn't it? It's that difference between having data to get kind of global kind of uh, what insights, if you like, oh, yeah. versus instructional kind of pinpoints to to know where to where to next.
0: And you know, I'm listening to both of you. You talk there, and it's you know, it's hitting me quite hard. The, we would not have had this conversation a year ago. Whilst passionately we believe in data and this approach in textile, the understanding in the wider education sector about just how powerful this is, I don't think would have necessarily we would have had at this point. So it's it's an incredible testament to to what COVID has done that we're actually able to have this conversation and educators are able to listen and understand. Actually, yes, I can get that data. And the and the other thing I think that that's come out of that in a similar way is a year ago we would talk more about marking so when we're talking about you teachers would identify with that conversation about marking now the conversation shifts and it's about feedback so it's about data and it's about feedback and these things are a result to me of of what we've went through and i know we're here to stay and and you see greg you mentioned earlier about hybrid learning you see hybrid learning and, and we'll use that in inverted commas, your error commas, as we said earlier. You see that staying in, in Australia going forward? Is is that is that here to stay?
1: That's what the kind of the, the like the, the report from Monash and is also a report from PWC is indicating. Yeah that teachers mm-hmm. are basically saying that it's it's here to stay. And so then we how do we use that? It's going to be really reliant on um, just not a teacher in the classroom it's actually a systemic issue you know so how do i as a school as a system kind of put that in place as well so yeah w- w- what are ways to go because it'd be easy just to go back to old habits wouldn't it They'd just go oh that was interesting but let's you know like we when you get challenged when you get disrupted you tend to want to go back to your comfort zone so yeah. um we need to keep it That look Lots of things, interesting things are going to happen. Just a little side story: as we're t- talking in Oz about in um, in some of our large CBDs that uh, office spaces are not being used, you know, because they work from home and that whole change has happened as we've talked about at Textile. And so some of those office spaces are being turned into residential, um, will be turned into residential. Um, spaces for so people to live in but the the irony is that people will move into them live there but they'll work from home in the, physically in the space that used to be an office anyway yeah i thought i thought that yeah. was funny so there'll also, there'll also there'll be all sorts of unknown paths for us i think down the track um and um yeah so it's but definitely we we are seeing a an uh, as we just said we you know we wouldn't have talked about data like this 12 months ago and schools definitely wouldn't have talked about any degree of online learning or remote learning or
0: a hybrid or a blended teaching model yeah and i suppose nor would would we all have necessarily seen the clear advantages that that, that we've all known for some time but the reality of that lack of face-to-face teaching the increase in devices, the increase in technology. And, you know, I've said to, to a lot of teachers I've been working with just this year that this is here to stay. This is not something that's going to disappear. That improved access, anything in the UK and the US and Australia from improved broadband through to greater access to devices to increased government initiatives around that, to the sheer learning that, a, that an educator and our educators have went on. You know, that's not something that's necessarily going away. Well, it may not be a case of it's homeschooling or it's remote learning. I, I mm-hmm. certainly see it going forward for all of us being that combination of the two, that, mm-hmm. that wherever, whenever learning and using technology to the advantage of of, of every student. Um,
1: and and so part of that, Patty, is important is um, professional learning or PD for teachers, Um, um give them the support that they need to, to to use these tools that are that they you know everyone quickly learned how to use zoom as an example you know we're watching zoom videos to find out how to use this tool but and i know what we do at tech so we actually it's one thing for people to use our tools but we place a lot of emphasis on actually then providing the professional learning and and the resources that you need to actually, you know, use those tools in your classroom and and use them to their full capacity. Yeah,
0: and I think the nature of CPD, um, Greg globally has certainly changed. I mean, th- we were forced into this change where everybody had to go to webinars and online learning, uh, but now I think that's changed because. Teachers are realising that we can get; they can get access to on-demand CPD. They can get access to it on flexible digital formats that's tied directly into their specific needs. So, I it's it's I think it's an interesting parallel, Martin. That that teachers are now realising that their learning on CPD is starting to become more bespoke. They're able to cherry pick the things that support them and the tools that help them, and that mirrors the student experience. I think.
2: Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I I think that. They, uh, I know we're kind of as a technology firm, we we think that uh, COVID has been has sort of unlocked more positives than negatives. And I, I, I just they I don't want to uh, give the impression that we think uh, COVID has uh, has been a force for good. There's been some good stuff that's come from it. It's been a, it's been a disruption, and there's been some positive change because of the disruption. I think that, you know the kids really have had a tough time, and the the teachers have really had a tough time, and. There has been, you know, Microsoft and Google and a lot of the kind of big uh, collaboration platform people really did deliver a lot of free training for teachers to help them get online and and get digital. But it must have been incredibly difficult for uh, like lots and lots of teachers who aren't like early adopter technology geeks. We're probably all early adopter technology geeks. Um, So it had definitely been a really um, tough year for them. But I think... Um, you know, I'm positive about uh, about the future. I do think that it's it, that the disruption has allowed people to see what can be delivered with technology. And uh, from a, a CPD perspective, I, I suppose in the same way that we are now used to doing everything digitally, teachers are probably quite happy to get their training digitally and don't have to book a whole day off. You can kind of dip in and do an hour here and an hour there,
0: and it probably makes probably suits the uh, you know, the words that were in them. Yeah, and I, th- I think they, they, you know, it's important that, you, and you're totally right to bring that up, Martin. In terms of, yeah, it's I don't definitely do want today to be seen as it's it's all it's all glowing. It's all been a great experience. It has not. Let's just be clear. But but we we have some fantastic learnings. But that said, we've got to put some really solid structures in place at, at all sorts of levels. You know, us as a company, uh, uh, government level, uh, teacher level, district level. So that has to be put in place. And I'm thinking about. How, like, how do we do that from a student perspective? Uh, I mean, you know, things like our tools are built around uh, uh, UDL principles, universal design for learning principles, and that's something that I know, Martin, you've been an advocate, we all have for some time. But is it important to talk about those things going forward and re- recognise that teachers have saw equity of access and accessibility as key? Do we need to focus on areas I, like that as well?
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, Look, like I think stuff should just be accessible and kids who need AT should yeah. get hands on AT. So I, I think for me, that's pretty straightforward. If you go into a modern hotel, there's always a ramp. If you go into the lift, there's always braille on the buttons. You know, it's a it's a universally designed building. And I just think that the learning environment should be similarly universally designed so the people who need uh, help with their learning get it. But I, I actually just thinking about, you know, what um, I do think that, I think in New Zealand, Greg, there's a, an, an initiative going on. Um, New Zealand obviously reacted very quickly because of their previous experience with SARS and uh, kind of locked down the borders. But even in their retrospectives, they believe that they could have done a better job with education. So I think they've got an initiative going on to try to make sure that there's more digital provision so that if they do need to shut schools urgently, that learning won't be interrupted. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, I, I,
1: I, unfortunately, I don't know a lot about it, but that's true. That's what they what they they want to be um, uh, prepared, not rep. They don't want to repair; they want to be prepared. So they don't want to go. Oh, schools are shut down again. Oh my goodness, we better get all this stuff in. They want to kind of be where where they're they're actually prepared for whatever comes. A bit like we want to do around UDL, you know. It's a bit. Yeah. Like, um, I I actually uh, think. Um, Part of that is around even the the term assistive tech. To me, we should be calling it inclusive tech because yeah. assistive tech has this implication: you get something done to you by somebody else. You're being assisted, whereas inclusive tech means the tools that I have are, are wherever I, are wherever I am, whatever a platform I'm on, whatever whatever environment I'm in, whether I'm at school, online, wherever. Um, that's for the tool, and I think that's what the New Zealand government wants. They actually, yeah. with their schools, they want to kind of look at you know having that kind of Idea, did, but, um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, just on that point around inclusive tech, you actually get from a city tech, you go from, a city tech kind of tends to produce passive learners. Pa- you, know, you just receive stuff as it's kind of given to you, whereas inclusive tech, when it's actually embedded in what you do, you're, you're more of an active learner. You actually have more agency because uh, you're, yeah. you're actually in control.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, yeah. No, I, I think the New Zealand thing interesting there, you know, uh, they were ahead of the curve with the kind of physical controls mm-hmm. of, uh, of COVID. And they've done that thing where they've, they looked back at their year and said, what can we do to improve that? And part of what they can do to improve that is to actually, you know, continue to deliver more connectivity devices and yeah. technology and professional development to make sure that learning can just continue if they do need to shut yeah, the physical environment down.
1: I should have done more homework huh? before this podcast and knew the answer to that question.
2: I so, I, I, I sprung <laughs> it on you, Greg. I just I made the assumption that because you're in that time zone, you would know. But yeah, have uh, uh, background notes, so so, all I think you know if, um, if I think it's fantastic if we could do that in the UK, uh, it would be brilliant. It would be, uh, it would be a real boost, and um, I, I think that you know lots of uh, of the interruption around learning occurred because of not having access to Uh, you know devices and bandwidth and inclusive tech to you know where teachers not physically in the room to help uh, they need to get their help from somewhere else
0: yeah and i think i think we need to have a uh, certainly in the uk here mark we need to have a better joined up approach as is happening in new zealand you know there there are pockets of activity there are good government initiatives around provision of access but then perhaps there's a lack of identifying the need for broadband access as well and how do how do we join those dots I think yeah. that's very much needed. What's it Greg, what's it like in Australia from a from a sort of a national perspective of reflection on what was and re, and, and moving forward on a on a plan for what what, what we need to do? Um well coming back
1: to that the, the- as Martin said before, it's it's not all, you know, there were major challenges and it had a major impact, particularly around um, social isolation for kids, around student well-being has, has been a major kind of thing that we've had to reflect on That for students who have been isolated, you know, who might have their major social connection was actually in school and now they, they didn't have that. And um, also the interruption to learning for students with, a, with additional needs uh, yeah. has been... An, so, I, I guess we've, we're kind of at the moment reflecting reflecting on that. Um, there's been a few a few reports. Patty, are we going to um, with this? Po- we can actually put some stuff in this podcast. I'll, I'll actually give you some links to some of our um, some of the reports that have been done here in Oz yeah. about where we've been and also uh, where where we're going. So you know, we definitely the things that are being asked are are things like. Um, uh, how can we how can we deliver education from kinder to year 12 um with an evolving technology landscape what's that what's that going to mean and those bigger issues around the dig, digital access so the digital divide not being generational not being yeah you, the use of technologies that is relevant to your age is actually socio-economic you know do i have yeah. access and for us geographic too because you know you've got folks in the middle of nowhere who just physically can't get access to. so uh yeah. So all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, it, I'll, I'll get some links. I'll give you some. We'll put some links in the, I guess the podcast will have a have a yeah. transcript and stuff. So I'll put it we'll, in there. We'll
0: drop those in the podcast notes and we'll also make those yeah. available on Twitter under the hashtag, hashtag Text Hub Talks. I mean, we, we've heard there about sort of in general today, we've heard about how teachers have embraced um, technology. We've heard the challenges that students and teachers have faced. But also, you know, going forward, we start to see these opportunities. Uh, we recognize that governments have to step up. We recognize that devices have to be in place and infrastructure uh, and broadband uh, clearly has to be there. But, but Martin, what, what role does a, does a, an edtech company um, uh, like Texthelp or any of the other edtech companies globally have to play in that?
2: Um, so I, I, I think there's sort of two things. You have to just solve real problems that exist. That's the first thing. If, it's not, if there isn't a real problem to solve, we should keep out of it. And uh, the second thing is, um, to some extent, we have to envisage the future and then deliver it, you know. Um, the, uh, there's a famous quote, which is occasionally attributed to Henry Ford, who said, you know, if he had made what people had asked, were asking for, he would have bred a faster horse and uh, yeah, they have a sort of different vision. I don't know if it's actually true. It could be. If someone needs to go to <laughs> snops.com. I thought it, was, it. I, I, I
1: thought it was Mark Twain, but anyway. Was it? Was it? <laughs> no, no. no I wasn't joking. Everyone's, everyone's
2: <laughs> got that. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, to some extent, like we, first of all, we have to solve real problems in the real world because if we're not making life easier, uh, we're just getting in the way. And the second thing is we really need to sort of be bold and uh, have a sort of vivid vision for the future and and where we can really make uh, like a, a profound change, and um, you know, create more inclusion, and then just deliver on that. And sometimes that requires, uh, well, every time that requires teachers and technologists uh, becoming early adopters and making that
0: leap with us, and, uh,
2: and trying to create the, uh, trying to create that slightly different future. But uh, I think those are the two things.
0: I, I think Martin, want, you know, when I talk to you, um. When I talk to other ed tech companies, they go, any advice on this? And I say, remember, it's all in the name. It's education technology. You put the education first and your job is to design the technology that underpins that education. But I entirely agree with you. You've got to be visionary in that and look, look, look well ahead as to what solutions will occur, and I think you know. Hopefully, people have recognised that you know you've been able to do that, leading text help on that basis. But but you mentioned Martin, and um, you know we want to, we want to include teachers in this as well. And of course, Greg, uh, technology is not 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 about no teachers. It's absolutely about um, empowering teachers, I guess, in this um, uh, and focus on that pedagogical side. Would you Would you agree with that? I hope you yeah. would. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely agree because, <laughs> as you
1: know, Paddy, uh, I. I kind of quote the uh, ICT doesn't stand for information communication technology. It stands for it can't teach, and yeah. and the technology is is what the teacher. You know, it's in the hands of the teacher. As I said before, it's it's a the ed tech is a, a amplifier of your pedagogy. So it's actually something that you, you use as one of your instructional instructional tools. So yeah, yeah. So um, technology won't replace won't replace teachers, but as they say. Uh, teachers who use technology maybe will replace those who don't, maybe down the track because it just there's too many good there's too much. I mean, as Martin said, you know, you're not going to take my glasses away from me because I, I won't be able to see your two faces on the screen, which could be a good thing. But um <laughs> but um and nor should we take out take away things like text to speech from some students because that technology is really for lots of kids a game changer for them, you know. Yeah. I, the first thing I, I don't have to do when I experience any new text is decode. I can jump straight in and find out what it's about. How awesome is that? And so that's when, you know, that's, that's, the, that's for me what it's all about is actually how we use this tool. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, 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 of course, you know, to, to underpin all of that, the, the importance is in access to devices which Martin you talked about earlier on I know you have as well Greg but you know I, I go back a number of years in ed tech and, and remember um, uh, using the phrase whenever wherever learning and I think certainly for me one of the takeaways from COVID has been that that has never been more important because we've realized that students have different needs we need to support those needs but also they need to be able to learn on terms and have agency that suits them and builds on their unique skills so that ability to move cleanly from school to home on whatever device mm. I, I think is one huge takeaway um, and i and I hope that going forward together both as as ed tech companies and as educators we'll start to pick those right tools and those platforms and, and devices that uh, that can support that um so that, that takes us very nicely to um, uh, the end of Our session today, and I just want to thank everybody that has joined us uh, for our podcast today. This, of course, is a two-part podcast. Um, We have looked at how uh, the learnings that we've had from COVID. We looked at the opportunities. Uh, We've looked at the challenges. We've talked about catch-up and how perhaps we can address uh, those areas with technology. But I hope you'll you'll agree uh, with the panel, with Greg and with Martin and myself that. There are better days ahead going forward. There are huge opportunities for our students and for our teachers in teaching and learning. Uh, we, we, we've got to take each one of these as we find them, and we've got to address them, but I think together we've all shown that we can do that. Uh, so I want to thank you again for joining, um, and uh, do feel free to join in the conversation using the hashtag texthubtalks on Twitter. Uh, uh, I've been Greg uh, Martin, our CTO, sorry, CEO, I should say, CEO, on the call us today, and also uh, Greg. So thank you, and we'll see you again soon on the next edition of the Text Hub Talks podcast.